This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the The whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hello, Bunk Funkers. Welcome to another episode of Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Ah, okay. (laughs) I didn't fit as well into the, you know, uh, melody, so... okay. Thanks uh, for your help. Hello, Mr. Melody. Mr. Music Man is here. That's what they call me, Merry Melodies. Well, you know what, Andy? You're not going to be so merry today, because today's topic, it's about, uh... It's about a, it's about a bunch of semen that get lost in sea. <laughs> Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, today's episode is about a bunch of missing semen. <laughs> it's about a couple of Aussie blokes who get who get lost out at sea. Crikey. Crikey. Uh um and we're talking about a ghost ship today, Andy. This might actually be our first ghost ship episode. Yeah, uh, I think that it is, Art. Um, you know, we for sure have both seen the Lord of the Rings movies um, and we know about That's that true. ghost ship or ships uh, but this is something totally different. This in no way <laughs> yeah. involves the quest for the One Ring. We are not going to bring up the Lord of the Rings at all, bunkfuckers. That's our promise on today's episode. Yeah, and I'm willing to stake my reputation on it. I'll put up a hundred dollars that we won't do it anymore. <laughs> Whoa, big spender! Yeah. Look out! I mean, I'll put up a hundred dollars and my axe. <laughs> oh crap! Fuck! <laughs> Andy, you're already fucked up. Now we owe a hundred dollars to everybody who listens to this show. Uh, We're gonna have to give out like at least two hundred dollars i'm not allowed to have the checkbook anymore so i'll have to send everybody cash so just look for that in the mail (laughs) 
Well, uh, today, uh, what you should look for in today's episode is a ghost ship story about um, ghost ship. A, oh, that uh, was dis- such a good song from the seventies, wasn't it? <laughs> Disco. Let's hear a bit. Ghost ship. Ghost ship. <laughs> Uh, it was that hot dance craze uh, where everybody <laughs> pantomimed uh, sword fighting? Yeah, that was a Bee Gees. Yeah, hit, I'm wasn't pretty it? sure Bee Gees. Okay. Um. Well, uh, Bee Ghost. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. We're gonna we're talking about the Kaz two. Okay, this was a this was a yacht. This was a catamaran that was uh, lost out at sea. The crew never been seen from again. And today's episode comes to us from someone who we hope we'll see again. This is a uh, longtime listener, first time uh, episode suggester. This is Dave, originally from Ireland. Thank you for sending in this topic. Yes, thank you, Dave. Um... And honestly, you know what? We don't want to put the cart before the horse here or the uh, the catamaran before yeah. the dock, but uh, more from Dave in a little bit. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but if you can't wait to, to get out onto the rough, choppy seas and learn all about this, uh, what, what some people are calling Australia's Mary Celeste, uh, which is another very famous ghost ship, um, go ahead. You can check out the show notes. Look in the episode description. There'll be a timestamp. So you can skip the entire intro and go straight to the research because first Andy you and I got to talk a little bit about the bunker lore this week a lot, a lot going on in the lore <laughs> plenty, <laughs> plenty, uh, plenty of things to keep our lore enforcement uh, department busy here at Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast um, there's uh, uh, you know Bunk Funkers as you know uh, Art and I and Mr. Bunker have been embroiled in a heated legal battle that has been raging for three days this 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 legal battle actually i'm just i'm just learning andy today that um actually is literally clogging up the u.s court system so bad that no other legal proceedings can actually take place whatsoever so i mean listen this is important so i'm sorry yeah i Anything that's going on in the Supreme Court or any of the federal courts or appellates or appeals or whatever the fuck they're called. Ours, we got we to gotta get this shit figured out before you guys can go and do all that shit. Yeah, this is okay? a grave injustice and, I mean... It's a grave injustice. It's a gravy yeah, injustice. Yeah, we, we need to get paid. We need on that gravy train. And <laughs> it ain't happening. And, you know, I think it speaks to the... Uh, I guess importance of this suit to all people on Earth is yeah. the fact that Judge Judy is right. presiding. That's I right. Mean, Judge Judy doesn't just judge anything. It's only no. the highest important cases. That's right. It goes, listen, bunkfuckers, and for bunkfuckers who aren't born or aren't, you know, well-versed in U.S. government, this is how our government works. It goes, there's the executive branch. That's like the president and stuff. There's a legislative branch. That means, you know, you got like your congressmen, you got your senators, you get your house reps, whatever the fuck. They, uh, you know, they make up mm-hmm, legislation. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Judge yeah. Judy. 
She's the third branch. And underneath Judge Judy, she oversees the Supreme Court. That's right. how it she, works. She's Judge at Judy. the top of the pyramid. And everything else yeah. is just underneath her. This is the highest authority in the land. Now, Bunkfunkers, let's address the elephant in the room here. Uh, we call him. Andy and I. We call him Ernest. Uh, he is a baby, um, but we hope he'll grow up. Uh, we yeah. bottle feed him several times a day, uh, our own right. breast milk, um, and we feed him lots of cabbage. And, and some people say, "Hey, you guys should be focusing on the court case, not on raising a baby elephant to do your bidding when it becomes a giant adult elephant that you can ride around and have, like, you know." Do fun tricks and stuff, but it's like you know what—you gotta have a hobby. Well, if a daring daytime raid of Fort Knox on elephant back isn't in our future, <laughs> why even bother? Yeah, if you're not hoping or preparing for the future in any kind of way, bunk funkers. I mean, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like, I mean, keep an eye on summer this year because it's the future, baby. <laughs> but the other elephant. The other elephant in the room is that Andy and I are uh, we're we are both still in the bunker and we're both still dressed like D. Snyder from Twisted Sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not going to take it, right? We look disgusting. We haven't showered. We haven't showered. We can't we can't shower with the you know the D. Right. Snyder clothing on. Uh, right. The makeup is Won't fit. the makeup is you know destroying our skin. Uh, we're more makeup than man now, and uh, <laughs> our once. Um, what I want to say, like finely quaffed, like puffed up, uh, teased out, freaking glam hair uh, is right. flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's stringy. It's greasy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we look terrible, but this is symbolic for us. This is this is um, the symbolism. And and it is it's it's that we're not going to take it anymore. Right. And uh, from Mister Bunker, but also uh, you know Andy, we we got uh, we got things got a little heated between us, and we decided to cool off by just doing today's episode over, you know, over the internet. Even though we're both in the same bunker, right? We're in separate areas of the bunker, right? Um, you know, today's I mean, court. Let's just let's just put it this way, Bunkfuckers. Court got really heated today. Yeah. Uh, I, There's a lot of stuff going on. You know, Art, we just all need to cool off. Art, Art and I both had to retreat to the bunker. Uh, we're retreating to our uh, our our happy places, our like comfort zones. Uh, so yeah. Art's Art's in the bunker gym, and That's right. I am on the open face toilet as usual in my office, as I call it now. Uh, <laughs> and you know, we're not we're not mad at each other, but. Sometimes you just yeah. need a little space. That's right. And uh, Andy has also been trying to train Ernest to be a, uh, you know, like a secretary or receptionist for his little office. Um, you know, I really think that Andy is trying to turn this whole thing into like some kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, like he, you know, you're you're like an actual lawyer or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm ready to start taking on clients and... <laughs> I, I picture Ernest as like a Babar type. Um, you know, what was Babar? Babar was like a diplomat or something. Like, that's what I want Ernest to grow up to be is a Babar type of elephant. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I want him to answer the phone. Uh, mm. I want him to do my filing, uh, type my correspondence. 
Um, right. I want him to eat. Prepare your briefs. Prepare my briefs. Prepare my papers. Uh, <laughs> I want him to eat uh, ungodly amounts of peanuts um, <laughs> while I watch from my office in enjoyment. Uh, I want him to spray people I don't like with water uh, from his trunk. And I guess more than anything, I want him to leave soccer ball sized wads of dung all over the bunker. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, uh, you know, Andy, in some ways I hope you get your wish, but uh, t- t- today in court, uh, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's clue the bunk bunkers in on a little bit about uh, what went down on, in court today. Um, so like we said, Dave originally from Ireland, it tipped us off. Yeah. Gave us a pretty, uh, pretty great little bunker sighting here that we brought up in court today. Um, yeah, and and you know what? I, I just have to say uh, at the top here, we so appreciate uh, the bunk funkers uh, supplying us with this intelligence to use uh, as ammunition uh, in the court case against Mister Bunker. Um, right. You know, we've really, I would say that we've we've weaponized uh, this information <laughs> against Mister Bunker, <laughs> and so we appreciate that. Uh, but here's here's what Dave here's what Dave had to say. Here's Here's yeah. uh here's the like the latest bombshell. Mr. Bunker sighting. I was out at my local supermarket and there was a guy outside with a little table. I had a look on the way past and the sign above the table said bunk roll for sale, patent pending. Mr. Bunker was selling toilet roll with photos of you guys on it. That's me and Art. Me and Art on it and I, this is Dave overheard him telling someone that this was his new product to make money following losing a fortune on the stock market. The stock of toilet roll was sitting in the open trunk of a very beaten up bunkla that was filled with stuff that made me think he was sleeping in it. Jesus. You uh, Bugfuckers, Bugfuckers, if you're not fucking pissed off at that information, are you... Are you even fans of this show? Do you even like this show at all? <laughs> the only... Because that shit got me paved. The only thing that Art and I have are our likenesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have no talent. We have no yeah. marketable skills. We mm-hmm. have no clout. We have no charisma. We have nope. no ability to lead. We have Nada. no friends. We have none. No lovers. We have zilch. No family that will contact us. The only thing we <laughs> have is our likenesses, our images, and Mister yeah. Bunker put that on toilet paper for you to rub our faces in your little butt crack. <laughs> but he didn't ask us now, for but- consent. He did not ask us for consent to put our likeness on those toilet paper rolls. He's obviously. You know, he's running low on cash. Right. So his legal thought, defense you know, is draining him. Yeah. And and of course, obviously, Bunkberg, because you know, we're all representing ourselves here. So right. obviously he's charging himself money to defend himself. Yeah, and he's uh, bankrupting himself. <laughs> he's <laughs> where's the money going? I don't know. We don't gotta, know. I mean, maybe he's just burning it or burying it. I don't I don't know what he's doing with the money. 
<laughs> but he's charging he's billing himself he's got himself on retainer he set up he set up a corporate entity as his law firm and now he takes his personal money and puts it in there but he can't do anything with it because it's now a, a part of the business the guy's a fucking genius what do you want us to say fucking started bugla um Bugfuckers, you know, Dave, first of all, thank you, Dave, because this is, I mean, really, this is, this was some, this is a hot tip. This was, we yeah. decided to add this onto our laundry list of court demands. We have now included in our lawsuit, we we have attached an addendum. We're doing another lawsuit. Yeah, and I want to point out that that all of these things that we're filing, none of them are, like, we're not necessarily suing Mr. Bunker. We're demanding that the court find him guilty of things. Right, 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 right. Yeah, we won't stop at uh, any kind of... We're, we are not mediating at all. No, we're not leaving it up uh, to the jury. We're just demanding no. that the court find him guilty. <laughs> there is a hung jury, of course. They're there. Yeah. I mean, famously, we have a very hung jury uh, in this, all staffed with male models that we yeah. picked out personally. Uh, they're all very hunky and have very right. large hogs. Um, Dave, this... I mean, we this was... You know, this was great because we, we 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 decided to bring this up. We decided to add this onto our uh, our court uh, onto our lawsuit here. Yeah, this our our lawsuit uh, was like a platter of buffalo wings, and this little tip that you gave us, Dave, originally from Ireland. This is like that, just that side of ranch dipping sauce that we needed. Oh yeah. Yeah, this was the ranch dipping sauce that we needed to um, to really go after Bunker. Yeah, yeah, um, and frankly, uh, you know, yesterday was uh, was a tough day. Uh, That's and right. Today was 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 also tough. It was very heated. Um, but I think we made. I think we're making a good case. I mean, right. you know, obviously, we we were able to. Mr. Bunker produced the toilet paper that had our faces on it. The court saw that. <laughs> That's right. We brought that into evidence. Now it was used. Right. Yeah. Gently used. Gen- okay. I mean, he didn't have any fresh rolls, but he had. He is living in his car, and he does just throw toilet paper in the back of it when he's done wiping. <laughs> so it was gently used. Now here's the thing. The court, see, we we had we had a couple images. First, we showed like here's a we had a we we actually went out, Andy and I, and we hired like an FBI former FBI like forensic analyst who pieced together a computer simulation of what the these roles would have looked like yeah. if they weren't used. And the jury was like really not they they, they couldn't get it. Like you could kind of see on their faces they were confused. And then when they saw that same image but covered in shit. <laughs> They understood that it was our likeness. Yeah, I, mean, I think I think really the issue that the FBI guy had is that he <laughs> he didn't he used the reconstruction software, but he accidentally you know used the <laughs> age function show, showed us like we would look in fifty years, and and so you looked like an old man, and I was invisible <laughs> because I had died thirty years before the picture was taken. <laughs> That software is incredible. <laughs> I mean, it knew it was like this guy. There's not much yeah. I can do here. The software knew. 
I think that was one of the pop-ups. Was just like, listen, buddy, this is the best I can do. <laughs> look, look, if you think this person's going to be alive in fifty years, you're a, you're wrong. You should be working at the FBI, you dummy, <laughs> fucking dumbass. Oh, yeah, yeah, but so the the jury was very confused. But then once they saw pictures of us with shit all over our faces, they they got they got it. it. They got They're it. They're like, oh, okay, yeah. The, the hung, that is those guys. That is those guys. Yeah, the hung yeah. jury finally got you know got the picture, right? Uh, and I think I think that's going to go a long way towards the case. I mean, I think that they are going to definitely rule in our favor. Yeah, when the time comes to finally get the verdict on Mister Bunker. Yeah, I mean, I th- you know um, there, there, there's. At this point, they're starting to become a preponderance of evidence that we've been mistreated. <laughs> um, you know, bunkfuckers, if any of you bought any of that toilet roll, you know, we're gonna listen. We might not be able to stand for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we take that personally, like Michael Jordan. I took that as a personal attack. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I don't know. I don't. I don't want to think about you bunk funkers pulling off little squares of my face, sticking them between your butt cheeks. Yeah, and if you're only using one square at a time, like, be careful because you're gonna poke a finger through that. <laughs> yeah, this is not. This is not. Look at home. I buy the ultra plush, the triple ply. This stuff, not that. No, this, this is stuff. This, if you hold yeah. it up to the light, you can see it through it clearly. <laughs> Yeah, this looks like the greasy wrapper at the bottom of a Kentucky Fried Chicken barrel. Yeah, yeah, it's like that, that little Bucket. piece of paper they put at the bottom of the KFC. Yeah, um, yeah, this is not high quality stuff. Let me tell you. No. So, um, and you know us, bunk funkers, we we're using at least a quarter of a roll per wipe. I mean, I like to actually make like a like a sockum bopper or like a mummified fist with the toilet paper. And then I just use my whole fist to wipe. That's what I do, Andy. I don't know about you. Uh, that's a good idea actually. Um, but what I do is I, you know, I don't like to, I don't like the, the, the wiping motion. Um, ah, right, right. Uh, it feels amoral to me, uh, to do that. Sure. Uh, so sure. I just take, I take a long strip and then I double it over and then I triple it over, and then I just sort of, you know, rest it all along the expanse of my butt crack. The expanse of my butt crack. And then, you know, I just kind of clinch my cheeks together to, like, pull in yeah. the paper. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, a, like a vortex. Right, yeah. Like my butt, like my butt's eating the, the, the toilet roll. You know, I gotta say, Judge Judy was uh, she's not into to piss stuff, but uh, she was she was intrigued with all this shit talk. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's just say she was having a couple of Reese's pieces while looking at our feces pieces. You know what I'm saying? It was a Reese's pieces feces feast. She was eating Reese's pieces. She got them in the vending machine. In fact, one of the vet, the one of the vet, the vending machines here at the courthouse, all Reese's pieces. Yeah, all of them. Only. It's like, you know what? And you know what else is weird, Andy? Is you might not have noticed this. There was someone else in the audience uh, yeah. today besides David Crosby. There was like a a strange, like little old woman. I couldn't tell. It was like a 
a, a real wrinkly kind of brown kind of looking thing with big eyes and it had like a little uh, it had like a blanket over its head and it was sitting in the basket of a bicycle. I said, what's this fucking weird old lady sitting in the basket of a bicycle? Who is this? Snacking on Reese's Pieces. Yeah. Yeah, whoever it was was there with Judge Judy, clearly, was one of her friends. Uh, yeah. Because they, they had a they had a uh, they had a thing going on. You could tell. Yeah. Uh, that yeah, weird were... that weird old woman. Uh, well, she had some at she, one point. She had something wrong with her. I mean, there, yeah. she had a she well, had physical malady because <laughs> your fingers aren't supposed to do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. At one point, I don't know. If she at was one point, like, we're, we're sitting there trying to trying to uh, you know we're trying to cross examine and and and. And talk about we're showing all the evidence to the to the jury and this fucking little old lady she's holding up this bright ass fuck I'm like hey no candles in the courtroom yeah like, what the fuck's going on Jesus Christ yeah, I don't know this this me. lady must have had a cat scan earlier in the day or something she had that radioactive dye inside her body and it all pooled <laughs> in her fingertip but whoo wee that is one ugly old woman oh yeah oh yeah um. Well, anyway, you know, bunkfuckers, that was court today. It was, uh, it was definitely a, a win. I put it in the win column. Yeah, for us. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we didn't win, but we we treat it as a win because we didn't lose either. Yeah. That's right. And every day you don't lose is a day you 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 should you, you win. You won the day because you didn't lose. You won the day. Um, speaking of winning the day, yet again. We have to bring up Dave originally Dave from originally Ireland, from who was oh also God. winner of the day. We are going to have to, this is, I think Dave originally from Ireland is actually Dave Thomas from Wendy's because he's got a Dave's <laughs> triple here. <laughs> Dave is getting a bunker Dave's alarm. getting a bunker alarm. And call me a big bacon classic because I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm a pig. Uh, well, I do. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, Dave, originally from Ireland, um, you know, we're ringing the bunker alarm for you because uh, I think it's because you asked, uh, but also you sent in an episode topic. Um, you've you've helped us in our legal pursuits, um, and this is a way. This is the only way we can show our gratitude to you, Dave. Originally from Ireland, is by uh, playing a perfectly synced alarm for you. Uh, from the Bunk Tech Bunker Alarm 3000 system. This is a technologically advanced piece of alarm-making equipment. And Dave, originally from Ireland, we're going to set it up for you. Uh, so, Art, uh, if you don't mind, I'm just going to program yep. uh, something here. Yep. And we got some nice... La- we've, we've pumped up the volume on the programming. Yep, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, we got we got a lot of hate mail about a lot of oh, different so much about a lot of different things. But uh, one thing that came up uh, was how quiet the bunker alarm is. Too quiet, people. <laughs> people say they the alarm sound <clears throat> it sounds great, but they want to hear more of the noise that happens when I'm looking for an alarm to play. Uh, mm-hmm. So we fix that right. by cranking up the volume on those. Uh, so here, let me just uh, go ahead here. Oh my God! Oh Jesus! Ah. This is all this. Uh, this is all the stuff you normally don't hear. 
God, there's <laughs> Ernest. <laughs> Ernest, Ow. please. Ernest. Ow. Please. Oh, God. He got into my cabbage. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's for him. Uh, okay. Uh, I think, uh, I think we have a, uh, a good alarm here. Uh, okay. okay. So now the bunk tech bunk funkers, you know, this, uh, but if you're just, this is your first episode, uh, the bunk tech bunker alarm 3000 is so sophisticated. Um, mm. but art and I aren't, uh, so we like to do a no. countdown to ready our bodies and ready our minds for the sound that we're about to hear. So uh, we're going to do a quick countdown. And then Dave, originally from Ireland, this alarms for you. So here we go. Three, two, one. Turalura. Beautiful. Wow. This machine has Beautiful. it all. Wow. Uh, Dave, yeah, originally from Ireland, thank you, thank you, thank you for being a great bunk funker and for, uh, I mean, this is your episode, Dave. Yeah. This episode's dedicated to you, Dave. Thank you. And uh, this episode brought to you in part by viewers like Dave, originally from Ireland. Um, <laughs> Now, I mean, Andy, we got to get out here to the uh, rough, choppy seas mm-hmm. uh, just below the Great Barrier Reef here in um, Northern Australia. Northern Australia. Northern Australia. That's right. Northern Australia. Uh, we'll be talking about a ghost ship called the Kaz 2. Kaz 2. Or three man crew. Three man crew. Three Aussie blokes who were. Unfortunately, never seen Blokes, again. Not we're Bogans. Gonna, gonna not and, Bogans. No, not Bogans. And we're going to try and find out what happened to them. Here. Oi. Mr. Bunkers. <laughs> ziggy zaggy, ziggy zaggy. Oi, oi, oi. Is that what they do? Uh, yeah. Is that German? That's Germany. No, it's uh, Austria. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Ah, either way. Here we go. It's the Kaz 2 ghost ship here on Mr. Bunkers Conspiracy Time. Podcast. Yarrrrrrr, bunk funkers. Set the sails to full mast. Swab the poop deck. In other nautical terms, because today we be telling ye all about a g- 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 ghost ship. <laughs> Three fellas go on a boating trip in northern Australia. And a few days later, their boat is found floating in the water with no one on board and no evidence of what happened to the men. The case has left many baffled and some calling this Australia's Mary Celeste. The Kaz 2 was uh, actually a 40-foot catamaran, which has led some, or many, to dub this tale 
the ghost yacht. Oh, I love me some yacht rock. Me and all the local daddies get together. That's daddies with a Z. Get together on a yacht and just dad out. Throw on some Steely Dan. Break out the Tommy Bahama shirts and fire up the grill. Yep, nothing like 26 of the finest daddies you'll ever meet. Hanging out, grilling on 26 individual grills on a single yacht. Rocking out to Yacht Rock. Yuck, as I call it. But hey, that's being a dad for you. Too true, Andy. Well, the three men, uh, the three-man crew aboard the Kaz 2 were described as not as dads, but even though some of them, or possibly all of them were, uh, they were described as typical Aussie blokes. So I'm sure they fit right in in your ritualistic uh, dad yacht ceremonies. Or, I mean, whatever it is you do aboard uh, a yacht. Um, anyway. Now, all of them were residents of Perth, Western Australia. These were uh, Derek Batten, aged 56, and his neighbors, who were brothers, Peter Tunstead, aged 69, nice, and James Tunstead, aged 63. Nice. These three bros plan, <laughs> nice, also nice, uh, plan to take a relaxing and funnish two-ish month trip from Northern Australia to Western Australia, where they all resided. The men were all retired, so... You know, it could take as long as they wanted. They didn't need to sail at night. Most sources indicate this, but we'll mention the one deviation later. Uh, but the men were pretty experienced with sailing. Batten had some 25 years of nautical experience, and the Tunsteads had nautical experience as well, as they had been sailing since they were teens. They also volunteered in the radio rooms at the Volunteer Sea Rescue Unit. According to the Australian Maritime Safety Authority, CAS-2 departed from the popular holiday port of Airlie Beach on uh, Whitsundays coast on April 15th, 2007. Uh, they were headed for their first destination in their trip, which was Townsville, uh, Queensland, in northern Australia. Again, heading west toward their home. And they were off. But the CAS-2 wouldn't be seen again until three days later. On April 18th, three days later, a helicopter reported spotting the Cas 2 adrift in the vicinity of the Great Barrier Reef, home of the titular Nemo and Finding Nemo, and that its crew were potentially in distress because they couldn't be seen and the boat was just drifting along. Now, it wasn't until two days later on April 20th that maritime authorities caught up with the boat about 100 miles northeast of Townsville near the Whitsunday Islands, and were able to board it. And what they saw was immediately very strange. The authorities found the boat in good condition. Everything was normal as if the crew had just had just been there, but they vanished. Authorities found the boat with its engine still running. Uh, there was food and flatware set out on the table. A half-empty cup of coffee was found. A newspaper was lying open with some pages on the floor, as if the crew were there about to have a meal. There were clothes piled up on a bench. A laptop computer was set up and turned on, and uh, being that this was the mid-2000s, maybe it was left with tabs open on Homestar Runner or Miniclip or Newgrounds. We don't know. We don't know. That's, that's <laughs> purely speculation. 
Could have been any one of those Could have been any one of those sites. But those were the only three sites on the internet at the time. So officials also confirmed that the boat's emergency systems, uh, including its radio and GPS, were fully functional and that it still had its full complement of life jackets. They also found the men's supply of food nearly fully stocked. Three cases of beer, a forty-four caliber a forty-four caliber rifle, and one hundred rounds of ammunition. There was even a small boat still hoisted on the stern of the boat, and the anchor was up. No life raft was found, but it's not known if the boat ever had one. The only other sign that anything had happened to this boat, other than the complete disappearance of the crew, was one of the boat's sails had been badly shredded. Now, search and rescue efforts began immediately after the boat was spotted on April 18th. Australian Search and Rescue, or AUSSAR, sent a Navy aircraft to search uh, in the vicinity of the vessel in an effort to locate the missing men. Also, Bowen Voluntary Marine Rescue launched a coastal and island search. At night, an aircraft with infrared capability was used to search the reefs and the Ks. Now, the next day, on April 19th, a full-scale search and rescue effort was launched involving volunteer rescue units from several towns, as well as the Townsville's Coast Guard, two rescue helicopters, nine airplanes, and two commercial vessels. This wasn't no Sunday sail. This was a damn fine search and rescue effort for both days, really, if you think about it. Now, also, data from the CAS-2's GPS system was retrieved and utilized to help uh, search and rescue kind of refine what areas they should be looking at because, you know, there's a lot of area out there. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) This big old thing called uh, the ocean. ocean. Anyway, search and rescue even contacted a survival time expert called uh, Dr. Paul Luckin. And uh, well, his diagnosis was rather grim. Yeah. He concluded that the men were unlikely to be alive if they were still in the water after all this time, as they had likely fallen overboard some three to four days earlier. Search and rescue efforts continued until 4 p.m. on April 21st when the efforts to find the three men were finally called off. On Friday, uh, 20th of April, the CAS-2 was towed into the Townsville port for forensic examination. The next day, Sergeants Bardell and Malloy of the Queensland Police searched the ship for signs of foul play or third-party involvement. No evidence of foul play was found. You know, police never search for foul play, though. You can never Rule out the birds, Andy. (laughs) Jeez, Art. You psycho. You're giving me vertigo with all this Hitchcock talk. Hitchcock talk. (laughs) Hitchcock talk. Anywho. Authorities, during the examination of the craft, found it pretty much the same as when they investigated it out at sea. Apart from a few things like papers, a magazine, and wine casks strewn about the floor. Uh, But... This mess was determined to be a result of the ship being towed to land and not some scuffle. Authorities also found a couple of knives. When I say put your beer on a coaster, I mean it. You call that a knife? This is a knife. Ooh, down I go. That's not a knife. That's a spoon. All right, you win. (laughs) I see you've played knifey spoony before. And scene. Thank you. Thank you, Bunk Funkers. This has been a presentation of Andy and Art do classic Simpsons bits stitched together into one scene. 
That's a working title. We'll workshop it. Anyway, authorities found a few butter knives in the sink and a plastic sheath uh, of a fishing knife, but neither appeared to be used recently. And again, Batten's firearm was found along with the ammo, all accounted for. What the authorities uh, are getting at here, bunkfunkers, is there was no sign of any struggles on board the ship. The men just disappeared. Now, knives and guns are pretty cool, but you know what's even cooler? In-depth data analysis. Uh, I couldn't agree more, Art. I always have said that Rambo should have used KPIs and strong metric analysis to take out his enemies. Not guns and explosive arrows. Mm-mm, too true, Andy. I'm actually uh, almost done with my remastered cut of Terminator 2, where instead of the human resistance against Skynet using guns and badass cyborgs that time travel to the past... They use things like TensorFlow and Python scripts and solid data engineering to eradicate the Terminators. Let us find the converse of conditional probability of event A given the condition B to the probability of condition B given that event A has occurred. Hasta la vista, evil liquid Terminator. My proof has the probability of your success at 0.0005. Now that's machine learning. Zero, 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 five. <laughs> <laughs> ah, listen, you know, we couldn't get Arnold to redub everything, all right? This close that enough. was pretty good. Anywho, this was a long, too long, drawn-out joke for us all to tell you that the authorities also analyzed the data from the Kazis 2 uh, GPS system. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all we're trying to get. They looked at the, they looked at the data from the GPS system. So according to the police, on the morning of the Kaz's departure from Arlisle Beach, uh, uh, the ship was steered in a northeast direction into an area where squalls and rough seas were building. On the very same day, just that afternoon, the GPS data shows the ship to be adrift, floating in the sea. Now, forensic investigators also recovered a videotape from the ship. The footage gave us all a glimpse into what the men were doing shortly before they disappeared. The footage was filmed by James Tunstead on the first day of their voyage on April 15th, around 10.05 a.m. In it, Batten was at the helm. Peter Tunstead was sitting in the aft stairway of the boat. He's just uh, sitting there fishing. A long white rope can be seen trailing behind the boat. The engine is not on. The fenders can be seen hanging from safety rails on both sides of the boat and no bunkfuckers these aren't classic the classic guitar manufacturer <laughs> these are like large very hardy and sturdy like tough rubber balloons that you put on the side of a ship to prevent it from slamming up against the side of a dock um they're like little buoys that you put on the side so the camera is panned 360 degrees and shows islands and surroundings And this sort of actually, in the end, uh, helped investigators pinpoint the exact location of the ship. The sea can be seen on the uh, camera, and it's very choppy. None of the men are wearing their life jackets. And then Tunstead's shirt and glasses are not in the place where they were later found. So, uh, we're going to mention this quickly, but uh, another source claims that Batten was the one behind the camera and Jim was the one fishing. And both men are heard on the film mocking Peter. You know, like friendly ribbing you do with your bros when you're on a boat. Because Peter can't swim. They aren't wearing life jackets, and they mention how the skies are growing, quote, 
threatening. Okay. 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 Hey, hey, um, hang on, Art. Uh, Andy. Andy. What? What's Andy? What? What's going on? What? What are all these noises? I'm Andy. Uh, what are you doing with your phone over there? Uh, just, I just give me a moment here, Art. Hang on a moment. Andy, uh, quit it. What are you doing? Oh, sorry, Art. I just had to contact a few people to make sure they, uh, to make sure they destroyed some home videos I made on a few of those daddy yachting trips. Whew. I do not want those going public if anything ever happens to me. Jesus. Whew. A fuck happened out on those boats. Hey, that stays between me and the 25 other dads and our ch- kids. The boat captains. <laughs> Anywho. We let the kids drive the ships. We let the kids drive. It's fun for them. It gets them out of our hair. <laughs> Anywho. On August 4th, 2008, an inquest into the men's disappearance began in the Townsville Coroner's Court. The inquest was led by Queensland State Coroner Michael Barnes and focused on whether the men were dead, the circumstances surrounding their disappearance, and if the search for the missing men was adequate. In total, 27 witnesses were called to testify. Some of them had even seen the ship on its fateful voyage and helped authorities to reconstruct the chain of events. Throughout the hearings, we learn a few little facts about the story that help shed some light on what may have happened to the men. For example, Jennifer Batten, the wife of Derek Batten, testified that her husband was an experienced and careful yachtsman, had been around boats for 25 years, and that he was acutely aware of the need for safety. She mentioned he had earned his recreational skipper's ticket and a qualification in marine radio. Derek also took a coastal navigation course, a radar course, and a first aid course. She also said the two would travel every summer to Rot- Rotnest, uh, sorry, Rotnest Island on various kinds of motorboats. Hey, every summer I bring my wife to Ratfest Island, where me and the four other people who are still fans of the band, Rat, hang out and get drunk. <laughs> my <laughs> wife hates it. <laughs> she was conceived to that song, Round and Round. <laughs> <laughs> hey, are the four mm-hmm. other people you hang out with the former members of the band? Rat? Yeah, they're the only other people there. It's me and my wife and Rat. And that's it. <laughs> but you know what? What goes around comes around. I knew. Uh, Jennifer mentioned that when they purchased the Kaz 2, it was their first large sailboat, but the couple took a six-week sailing course without any issues and sailed the cast two around the Whitsundies Islands twice. Apart from a minor issue with the propeller, this boat was solid, and the trips had no issues. And Jennifer also mentioned that the original plan for this two-month voyage was to sail the cast two as a couple. Aw. But uh, Derek was worried that only the two of them was very unsafe for such a long trip, so he decided to take his neighbors, the Tunstead brothers, instead. Sorry, Jen. You're getting the boot. Um, The dudes planned this trip for months and discussed their plans daily, plotting routes with the help of a computer. Jennifer mentioned the men always planned to stay reasonably close to the shore. And like we mentioned earlier, they were all retired. So it didn't really matter that the trip was going to take two months long because, you know, it would have gone faster if they sailed at night. But they weren't going to do that because they felt it was unsafe. Mm -hmm. 
So what they would basically do is sail during the day, have some fun, dock, sail during the day, have some fun, dock, you know, yeah. and make their way along. They were dock, 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 Although, docking on heaven's door. <laughs> uh, too true. Uh, so although Batten was uh, taking medications for high cholesterol, mild diabetes, and supposedly had a bad back, uh, quote unquote, as a result of his profession as a carpet layer, he had also suffered a heart attack at the age of 50. Uh, it was believed, though, that he was well enough and fit for the journey and apparently was a decent swimmer. Man, Derek Batten and I have a lot in common, <laughs> except for, the, you know. Yeah, being well enough and fit for a sailing journey and being a decent <laughs> swimmer. Otherwise, bad back. But you high cholesterol. You both love. You both love suffered a heart carpet. attack at age fifty. Knows how to lay carpet. <laughs> you catch my drift. <laughs> anyway, now another witness was uh, Grammy Douglas. Now he was the previous owner of the Cas Two. And had actually sold the boat to the to Batten for sixty thousand British pounds, and uh, I'm not sure how much that is in dollar dues, but <laughs> you Aust- Australia bros can make the conversion for us. Uh, but the Kaz was actually an Osprey built Lock Crowther designed fiberglass catamaran built in 1989. If that means anything to you, boat buffs. Let us know. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of boat are we doing there? More than anything, we just want to know which of the bunk funkers are boat buffs. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, he stated the boat was in good condition when it was sold and that he actually, you know, he met routinely with the men on the night before they set sail. And, and even like before that, he, he helped them to plan part of the route and was surprised to see that, according to the police, you know, the men had deviated from their planned route that was programmed in their GPS system. Another witness was Gavin Howland, the skipper of a commercial fishing fishing vessel called the Jillian, who testified that on April 17th, 2007, which was the day after the Kaz first set sail, while fishing on uh, Darley Reef, uh, 50 nautical miles from Bowen, he and his crew saw a white yacht with a torn sail drifting sideways between the reefs through a narrow passage at up to three knots, uh, which is 5.6 kilometers an hour, in north-northeastern direction along with the current. Howland says he came within 50 meters of the boat but was unable to spot anyone on board. This was two days before the Coast Guard spotted Cas 2 adrift off the coast of Townsville and the day after authorities believed the men went missing. Howland found it odd that a sailboat was in an area noted for its shallow water and rocks, but he did not attempt to contact the boat or the authorities. Howland told the inquest that it did not occur to him that the crew of the yacht might be in distress and went on to say, quote, It did seem a bit strange to me, but I just have this rule that no one goes near another vessel, end quote. <laughs> hey, hey, I have that, but with other people. Or maybe they have that with me. Mm. Yeah. Either way, I don't get out. Yeah, it's kind of irrelevant which side it is. <laughs> now, some of the family members expressed concern that the search was called off too soon or at the forensics team, you know, they didn't check for fingerprints. But the authorities were adamant that there was no other signs of foul play at all and they didn't need to really check for fingerprints because, I mean, I don't know, they were pretty con- pretty convinced that nothing, nobody attacked the men. Now, overall, though, we should say that the family of the disappeared said the authorities were incredibly kind and understanding 
and relayed information accurately and routinely. Another interesting piece of information from the hearings is that April 15th was not the actual start of the men's journey. They actually planned to start on April 14th and did start on April 14th. They left the harbor at 10 a.m. on the 14th, but they didn't get very far because they had a malfunction with the ship's computerized navigation and course. Batten then called Douglas, the previous owner, for help, and he came down to help fix the computer. Douglas noticed that the men were frustrated with the computer and that they were also like kind of in that sort of sunk cost thing where they're like really eager to get going. So he decided to say like, hey guys, let me make some helpful suggestions. He said things like, hey, make sure your battery is charged up. Check in with the, you know, and that you have backup ready. Check in with the volunteer marine rescue org as you make your way along the trip. And he even helped reroute their initial day to be only three or four hours of total sailing before docking at a new harbor, which was much closer than previously planned. The men might not have been wearing life jackets, but they seem to have taken Douglas's advice about contacting the volunteer marine rescue. A member of the VMR, Ivan Orms, stated that he did have radio contact with the vessel on the 15th. Thing is, he manned the radio on Sunday morning, but said he got a call from the boat on Sunday evening. Something wasn't adding up. When brought to the witness stand, Orm said he might have received a call from the boat in the morning, but forgot to enter it into the log. And then when he found out the passengers of the ship went missing, he later in the week made a note about it, but also made a mistake about the time he noted he received the call uh, because according to him, he was not highly educated and had a terrible memory. (laughs) His words. I mean, and I... I mean, God, I relate to that so hard, and this guy is honestly a hero for going into, like, basically court and saying that on the stand. I'm, I have limited education, and I don't remember anything. Uh, Anyway, Orms might have also recorded the time wrong to hide the fact that he forgot to record it. Who knows? This guy... You know what? We're so proud of him. He's winning this week's Bunker Blunder Award. Or the most coveted Bunker Award. Uh, so what happened to the men of the cast too? Derek, nicknamed Dez by family and friends, Patton, and James and Peter Tunstead. Well, the coroner has a lengthy explanation, which I guess is the so-called skeptic's take here. Sure, why not? Uh, but many are quick to jump on the term ghost ship, believing that some sort of paranormal force was to blame for their sudden disappearance. However, ghost ship is likely just a term used to mean any vessel that is found abandoned floating in the water. You know, like an abandoned ghost town. So, the coroner's report goes like this. On Sunday, April 15th, 2007, at 10.05am, the CAS-2 was sailing in the vicinity of George Point. Despite earlier difficulties with the navigation and the computer... Everything was going well. The men even all called their wives and their families earlier in the day to check in and were in very high spirits. So shortly after the videotape ended, the men towed in that white rope trailing behind the boat and stored it on board next to the locker where it was usually kept. James Tunstead then took off his shirt and sunglasses and placed them on the back seat. Their fishing lure was found tangled in the ship's portside rudder. So the theory goes that 
Maybe one of the Tunstead brothers tried to free the lure and then fell overboard into the water. Then the other Tunstead brother tried to rescue him, but he too fell in the water all while simultaneously while Batten started the motor. Batten then, after starting the motor, realized he had to go out onto the boat and drop the sail in order to turn the boat around to go back for his friends. That's just, I guess, how one of, maybe one of you boat buffs can tell us, but I guess that's how catamarans kind of work. You need to kind of drop the sail and have it, like, turn so you can kind of get a nice uh, quick turn on the boat. But anyway, as Batten left the helm to drop the sails, some kind of deviation of the ship's course or a sudden gust of wind or like a big wave or anything really could have knocked. I don't know how boats work, but it could have easily caused the boom, which I guess is the part of the sail that goes uh, perpendicular or parallel to the water. It, It caused it to swing around and could have knocked Batten overboard. Now, this could have happened before Batten was, you know, able to untie and throw a life ring to his friends. It's easy to fall into water. Believe me. (laughs) But it's hard to get back on board a ship, especially a ship that is moving away from you. The ship, traveling at even 15 knots due to a gust of wind, would have been far out of their range, even within a few seconds. The seas were choppy, and the men were not the best swimmers. Uh, They had no flotation devices. Uh, They would have become exhausted in a short amount of time and sunk beneath the waves and drowned. But the popularity of this unfortunate and unsolved disappearance has led some to come up with other theories, such as pirates. (laughs) You got to watch out for pirates anywhere out on the sea art. Those dogs will slit your throat behind your back. I would know. I used to sail with a crew of Norwegian pirates. We used to run whales to the Japanese black markets. Blue, hump, beluga, sperm, and also sperm. That had nothing to do with the piracy, but anyway. Our leader, Yak Sparrow, betrayed me by stuffing me inside a whale like Pinocchio and taking my share of the profits. Wow, Andy. Well, you can't win them all. You're welcome. Oh, God. I wish Yox Sparrow would have just stabbed you. <laughs> well, that wasn't Yox. Left, left you marooned. Look, Yox Sparrow was not uh, the type to just stab away. He was really more of the, uh, like, a creative pirate. He was a pirate with an yeah. artist's soul. <laughs> You're the fucking worst. Whale, anyway. Uh, you, Yeah, you deserve to be eaten by a whale. Yeah. Well, you know. Uh... All's whale that ends whale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't walk the plank a ton uh, when I was a pirate. Yeah? What'd you do? Uh, I didn't... I wasn't... I just got stuffed in a whale. <laughs> well, betrayed yeah. me. Anyway, anyway. We mentioned how the Kaz 2 had its fenders out, right? Like those tough bumper yeah. thingies. Uh, that are used to stop ships from slamming into the docks. Well, some people think that maybe the Kaz 2 had those out when another ship tried to willingly or unwillingly dock on them, like pirates. However, authorities stated that smaller vessels commonly leave their fenders out 
at all times. Other hypotheses include that the boat became stuck on a sandbar near George Point, where the boat's last radio message was made. When the men jumped overboard to push it free, a gust of wind blew the boat uh, blew, and the boat drifted away, leaving them stranded. Again, no evidence of this because the men were never found by any search and rescue attempts just a few days later. Another theory of a more insensitive variety is that the men were trying to fake their own deaths. Zero evidence of this whatsoever. Each of the men were devoted family men who loved their families. Uh, and of course, we can't rule out aliens. Some people think it was aliens. Well, bone funkers, uh, we care what you think. What befell Derek Batten and Peter and James Tunstead on their boating trip in April? What tragedy occurred out there on the choppy seas? One thing is for certain. You bunk funkers go out on an extensive sailing trip. You best be sure to bring with you the whole enchilada. Cracky. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Sure is chilly outside, Art. Andy, where's your jacket? Art, did you hear me? The wind chill is 30 below. Andy, I think you have hypothermia. You know, Art, with the horrific chilly weather outside, the only thing that'll warm me up is listening to Andy and Art Debunked, available only on patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. Are you seriously shilling our Patreon right now? Oh, Art... Laughing at the antics of Andy and Art is all the warmth I need. And for just $5 a month, I get access to all the episodes of the show, behind-the-scenes updates, sneak peeks at episodes, and I can chat with Andy and Art on the Bunker Discord. Andy, we need to get you to a hospital. We need to get me to patreon.com slash mrbunkerpod. So chilly. Oh, God. I'm shilled to the bone. Hey, welcome back, bunkfuckers. That was our research of the Kaz 2 ghost yacht. Kaz ghost 2 ship. ghost yacht. Kaz 2 ghost electric boogaloo. <laughs> um, man. Art. Why's all the rum gone? <laughs> oh, you're Jack Sparrow? This is me, Jack Sparrow. Why's all the rum gone? I don't know. It's me. I'm a pirate. But you have heard of me, haven't you? That's my ship, the Black Pearl. I'm glad. I'm going to go take my ship, the Black Pearl. I'm glad that you're uh, finally doing a Jack Sparrow voice <laughs> instead of just constantly dressing like Jack Sparrow and wearing makeup. <laughs> I am always dressed like Jack Sparrow at all times, Bunk Bunkers. That's something you need to know about me. It's. Uh... I'm always wearing big, blousey shirts, black eyeliner. And a big hat. That's art for you. That's the art we know and love. Um, Andy, now it is a very much established part of your lore that you are a secret and clandestine 
James Bond fanatic and aficionado, but you keep it hidden in your closet of secrets. Right. This is unbeknownst yeah, to the public. This is my secret shame. That's right. It's like your guilty right, pleasure. Right. But I but I have to ask, are you a Pirates of the Caribbean fan? Um big fan of those movies? You seen now that movies? is a that is a good question, Art. Uh I'll be honest. Um I have not seen all of yep. the Pirates of the Caribbean movies to date. Uh, okay. But you have I have I have seen, have seen some. Some. Uh and I okay. uh I will say this, I have been on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at uh wow. Walt Disney World. So I have that uh aspect of it too. Uh, you know, I actually was on the ride before and after, which you probably were also, before and after the film franchise. And they yes. made changes after the film franchise. It was They a, did. They added Yak yeah, Sparrow. It became a, different, a little bit of a different ride. Kind of the same thing, but it's just, you know, the surroundings were a bit different. I think they took away the one pirate who is, uh, <laughs> he's, uh... I think in one of the pirates, they're in the pirate town in Tortuga or right. something, and he's like, or maybe it's in one of the towns where they're like, they're pillaging another town, and one of the pirates is like chasing a woman or mm-hmm. something. They might have gotten rid of that yeah. as yeah. well. Well, along with some other changes. Yeah, they made they made some changes, but um, I, I guess I, when I first saw the Pirates of the Caribbean, like uh, the first movie that they did with uh, Johnny Depp, I I thought it was okay. Really, just okay. Um, I enjoyed mm. it. Um, you know, it's not like it's not gonna crack my top ten wow. or anything. Jeez, it's a fine movie. Wow, it was fun. Fuck me. What are you like in love with it? Uh, I thought the first. I thought the first couple of pirates movies were fucking mm-hmm. great. Yeah, they were fucking fun as hell. Those are fun action adventure films. Yeah, I agree with that. Created a whole franchise. I agree with that. Popcorn films, man. Those were good, fun films. Those were fun films. They were fun. Yeah, that uh, that first one. That's like the that's like a good movie to go see in the movie theater. Yeah, because you get acting was yeah. good. Uh, Jack Sparrow's a fun character. I'll say this: like seeing. All right, you see that first one. That was a good movie. Um, and then you get. Like as the franchise goes on, yeah, I mean they get a little weaker. They get. Yeah. I'm gonna struggle with the right way to say this, but Jack Sparrow becomes almost a caricature of Jack Sparrow, which is yeah. like saying something because it's already over the top, and then they're right. like, it becomes like, look, it's Jack Sparrow. In every movie, right, I, right, like right. I saw one of the later ones. I don't know if it was the third one or the fourth one or how many do they have? Like forty-five of them now. Yog Sparrow. That's the la- that's the latest one. Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yog Sparrow. Um. <laughs> oh, I want to talk about the CGI. Okay. Uh, I don't know. They have a bunch of them. I think they have. They have five of them. Okay. And. A sixth one planned. So yeah, quite a few, quite a few. I, I, the the CGI for the uh, the first pirate series is probably some of the best CGI um, ever. It was um, 
Is it is the second one or the first one? What's the one? Whichever one is, I think it's the second one. Dead Men's Chest. Because that's the one with Bill Nye. Or whatever his name is. Bill Nye. And he plays the octopus man. Davy Jones. And he's the he's tentacle man. And so, yeah, that's CGI. That shit looks fucking good. And it still looks good. Um, That's all I wanted to say. There was a little bit of CGI in the first one, right? Or the one, yeah. you yeah, know, the was. one, the whole ship and the other crew and they're all undead or whatever. Yeah, they were like undead and they were like. They can change their yeah. appearance. Right. Uh, I, I guess I didn't see. The, I don't think I saw the second one. Oh, okay. So I can't, I can't comment on that CGI. Then the third one gets a little silly because it turns out Jack Sparrow's dad is Keith Richards and he's like a guitar playing pirate. <laughs> and then there's like this weird scene, this weird scene that I didn't feel was like appropriate for like what is kind of a family friendly kind of Disney movie where, uh, you know, Keith Richards is talking to Jack Sparrow and then he kind of pauses and then takes a moment to snort his father's ashes. And then he looks up and he just says, Jack Sparrow, I just snorted your grandfather's ashes. And then he starts diddling on the guitar. It's very strange that Disney allowed that in the movie. <laughs> wow. Very weird. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Um, which one is the one where Jack Sparrow is like in jail? Where the like British have him captured. I think that's a uh, cool hand Jack Sparrow. <laughs> uh, what we have here is a failure to communicate. Well, it seems what we have here, Captain Sparrow, is a <laughs> failure to communicate. Ah, <laughs> uh, the one where he's in jail. Uh, I don't know. He's like always in jail. They always throw him in jail and he breaks out. Uh, it seems like you've only seen the first one, Andy. <laughs> Maybe. I thought I saw one of the old later ones. <laughs> I think I think you only saw the first oh, one, God, dude. Maybe. I don't know. He's definitely he definitely spends some time in jail in the first one. Uh, let's see. Dead man's chest. Yeah, I think it was I think it was that one at World's End that I saw. So I think I saw the first one and the third one. Wow, you skipped the second one, which has that great CGI. <laughs> yeah, I skipped. On Davy Jones. Yeah, and then I don't think I've seen any of the others' art. That's okay. I don't think I is have either. The third one is the one with Keith Richards? Yes, that's correct. No, I don't remember. I guess there he is. I guess I don't remember that. But it's been a while since I saw well, I guess- it. It's a shame you don't remember him uh, snorting his own dad's yeah, ashes. Wow. It is a shame. Um, Andy, are you a big sailor? You a big sailing guy? You ever go out any trips, any boating trips? You ever go out on a boat? Uh, I've been on a boat before. I've never been sailing. I've never been yachting. Uh, yeah. I have been on like a pontoon before. Have you ever been a pontoon? Um, no, but... Uh, I was a pontiff. <laughs> yeah, you pontificate plenty, but uh, all right. So you, uh, you, you're a seaman. Is that fair yeah, to say? It's fair to say that I'm a seaman. I'm at least half seaman. 
<laughs> what do you do? You have your sea legs or your big sea seafaring guy? <laughs> um, this uh, will come probably as no shock to you, but uh, this may won't shock the bug fuckers either. Actually, it's not shocking at all. Um, <laughs> I've never really been on like a uh, oceanic voyage. Um, I've been out. <laughs> I've I've. <laughs> An oceanic voyage. Why did you call it like that? Wait, what would you? I've never really been out much at sea on a boat. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you and like as like a little, little fucking 1920s, 1930s like page boy on the Titanic. <laughs> your little, little fucking your little paper boy cap and your, you know, below extra, deck. Extra, <laughs> extra. Read all about it. Fucking boat runs out of lobster. <laughs> ah, so you haven't spent a lot of time on the ocean you're more of a landlubber uh, you know i've i've spent uh some time like with my body in the ocean but um like on a boat <laughs> not as much uh i've been out like wow. you know obviously we are in chicago i've been out uh on the great lakes uh on boats plenty of times and that's fine i mean i don't know if i have my sea legs like you uh, are a well-known cruise aficionado. Like you've been on, that's um, right. Literally dozens of uh, cruises, right? Uh, I have uh, I have commandeered and actually stolen many right. cruise ships. You guys might remember me as the guy who started the that carnival cruise where everyone <laughs> shat themselves because they were stuck out in the yeah, middle of the ocean. That was art. That was art's doing. That was me. Uh, I got that trend started. It was like kind of like the wave. I was like, hey, everybody, we're all going to shit our pants. Woo, fucking shit ourselves. Uh, no, Andy, we couldn't be more opposite. I have, um, I, I mean, not to toot my own horn here, but I actually have pretty decent sea legs. Um, I never get sick on boats, especially I've been on um, all sorts of different kind of motorboats and um, different water vehicles. Um, my family used to own, we used to have two jet skis. My dad bought them, and he was, like, so fucking pumped for them because he was like, these are going to be the fucking greatest things ever. We're going to take them out all the time. This is going to be yeah. great. And, I mean, we took them out, you know. I think we got the use out of them, but we did not make, like, crazy use out of them that I think he was expecting. But yeah. um, So I I actually, I have my, um, I guess I guess you would call it a boating license. So I had to fucking study for a boating exam and I took a boating exam and I got my boater's license. I can, uh, I used to pilot those jet skis. I've been on cruise ships, as you've said, and I've been on whale watching vessels out in the, uh, out in the sea near Alaska. When we took a family trip to Alaska, we went on a whale watching tour. And I'm telling you, you want to talk about some rough choppy seas. This boat was literally like, Level and then it would go straight vertical and then come back down and be level, straight vertical, come back down and be level. I mean, this thing, this thing, literally the nose of the boat is literally it would like point up to the sky and then come back down. And um, I mean, everybody was getting sick, but I held my lunch. Hey, that's pretty good. I think I'd, I think I'd make a good, I'd make a good little scene. So. You sound like it. Um, you know, I don't have much going for me, Andy. You got to give me sea yeah. legs. <laughs> I give, I, I, I fully concede you have sea legs. Um, a friend of mine recently uh, took, it's another dad, took his family. Uh, they went on a trip 
uh, to Myrtle Beach in uh, South Carolina. And they had a day planned where they were going to do a, the whole family go on like one of these, uh, you know, like these fishing boats. Like they chartered, you know, a fishing boat and they go do like the, the deep sea fishing for the day. Mm-hmm. And like just on oh, the yeah. trip out to where the spot where they were going to fish, like they all got really super seasick because there was like a storm coming in. So it was really choppy. Um, so I've never, like I've never been in that situation. It's so like obviously they don't have their hmm. sea legs, but I've never been in that situation. I don't know if I have my sea legs. Do you, I mean, do you ever find yourself getting dizzy? Do you get dizzy easily? Do you have a good sense oh, of balance? Oh, no. Uh, terrible sense of balance. No equilibrium. Uh, really? Yeah. Really? I fall down getting out of bed. Um, do? <laughs> no. I don't know that I... I feel like you're a pretty balanced yeah, guy. I, don't, I think I have uh, decent balance. Um, but I never had to test it like that. You know what I mean? So I don't know if I would get sick True. or anything. Because some people say, oh, I'm fine. I don't ever get you know, motion sick or whatever. And then it's like, they get on a boat and all of a sudden they're sick. That's true. You, have you ever known people who are like, they were like, I can't sit backwards on the train. Oh yeah. Like when the, uh, the seats used to, um, there was a, there was a seat. Seats would go different directions. I don't remember what the fuck ever, who gives a shit. They couldn't sit backwards on the train when the train is moving forward and you're going back, like you're sitting backwards. Yeah. They would get, they feel yeah. sick. I don't have that. Um, you know, yeah. the right circumstances, if I'm trying to read something, depending on a lot of factors, I might start to feel sick okay. on the train or something. But usually, I don't have an issue. No, I uh, I have to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to fucking toot my own horn, but Bunkfunkers, really, truly, I have literally nothing going for me. This is it. This is my only skill is that I have... I don't get I don't get motion sick very easily. <laughs> yeah, bunk bunkers. If you need somebody to go on a trip with you, consider consider art. Yeah, consider me. I won't talk to you. I'll try and spend as little time with you as possible. I will mostly keep to myself. Yeah, he doesn't want to do and, anything, um, so you can go do whatever you want. Oh no, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and he won't get any. You'll, you'll ask me if I want to do something, and I'll just kind of say like, sure. I mean, whatever you yeah. want. Um, <laughs> he doesn't take up that much space. Um, so. I mean, I recommend it. I can fit in most suitcases. Yeah, and he does. That's a, <laughs> that's a theory we've tested. Uh, well, um, you know, here's the thing about this case, Andy. Um, I think I think a lot of bunk funkers probably know where you're going with it, and honestly, they probably know where I'm going <laughs> with it. <laughs> you know. Not that we're getting to verdicts, but, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. Do you think it lives up to its name? Do you think this is Australia's Mary Celeste? Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Right. Like I kind of, I kind of don't, I don't know exactly what to make of what happened to them, but. Um, it's like, is it a ghost? I mean, I guess it is a ghost ship situation, right? Yeah. Um, we take that ghost ship term as a technical term ship that's on its own. Um, but I don't know. It's, it's like, 
I don't know what happened to them. But I, I kind of don't really. Yeah, I mean, it's like, all right, the the coroner's explanation, right? Right. Like, I get it. I know what they're saying with it, um, but I'll be honest with you. To me, it doesn't quite rise to this level, but it feels a little bit like, like the, uh, like the 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 Tehran UFO explanation to me. Where it's wow. kind of like, uh, you know, like, oh, well, this fishing line got caught. One guy fell in. The other guy fell in trying to help him. And then, oh, a gust of wind knocked the other guy out. It's like, I don't know. It, it sounds like it's like a Three Stooges movie. Right? Jeez, Louise. But, but I'm not at the same. I'm at, I'm somewhat yeah, shocked. I, I can see you are. Jeez, I, I, uh, I might not have uh, motion sickness, but uh, geez, I'm getting nauseous from all this uh, these hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most people get nauseous when I tell them what I think and what's inside my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, this is our best guess is that, and I get it. There's no way to really know. And yeah, because uh, two guys who saw the ship were basically like, ah, oh, geez, I yeah, fucked up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, I saw that ship. It was floating around, but I got a rule. I don't talk to yeah, other ships. My, my ship gets real jealous if I, t- I talk to other boats. <laughs> ah, I am. I'm dating my ship. Fucking my boat. Yes. I'm fucking my boat. And yes, okay. I do imagine that the boat has anthropomorphized feelings or whatever you want to say. It has human emotions. <laughs> um, You know, the thing. <laughs> the other guy. Yeah. 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 I. I'm stupid and I don't remember stuff. So, whoopsie. (laughs) Uh, That's that's like, I mean, if you were in court, uh, that that led to him getting. I don't. Did we mention that in the script? I can't remember, but it led to him uh, (laughs) getting like. I think he got like fired from the volunteer duty. Like he was no longer. A volunteer radio guy. I mean, anymore. it's hard hard to like argue with that when you yeah. basically like go into court and your whole defense on why something was done is like, yeah, I I am a fuck up and you know I didn't do it right because I'm poorly educated and I have a bad memory. <laughs> I mean, but like I said, I give him I give him credit for actually saying it. He wasn't too proud. Uh. That's true. He probably wouldn't remember it later. The thing anyway. with uh, the thing with stuff, I said what? <laughs> I did what in court? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, yeah, I w- I would do that. I am pretty dumb. Also, I don't remember so well. <laughs> I don't remember no good, and I uh, I don't got no education. Anyways, um, you know when people get lost in the water though, in a place like where they were, you know where it's like you know yeah. We're not talking about like a small body of water. We're like they're in the ocean, ocean. Oh, they're, they're, God, in, the, no. they're in the freaking yes. ocean. Like three, three individuals. Yes. There's just the chances of them being found is like so small. The uh, the coroner also said that they couldn't rule out the possibility of a shark right. attack. Um, obviously, I think you know, I, I think those those are shark infested waters. 
I think Australia has a few different shark species around it that are well known, which I don't know if the great whites are around Australia. I know they're around South Africa. I don't know either, but all I know is but that they like, might all of the wildlife migrate. in Australia is designed to murder. That's true. That's true. Uh, so I look, I think I think where I'm going with this is that the coroner's explanation to me sounds a little goofy, but at the same time, wow. they're probably getting to the right conclusion. You know what I mean? Like, I think that I'm more, yeah. I think that I'm more having issue with the sequence of events rather than the outcome. If that makes sense to you. Okay. Like All I, right. like at the end of the day, do I feel like they were boarded by pirates and abducted? Like, you know, no, because Pirates only abduct people to get a ransom, and that didn't happen. Right. Like, so what right. are the pirates doing? Like, so using right. them to breed, like, like <laughs> carpet layers, uh, and they're for their pirates. Layer? Like, I mean, <laughs> all right, we've stolen you. Now you're gonna lay carpet in all our houses for all eternity. <laughs> you're gonna be our love slaves and bring forth children <laughs> for us. We're gonna steal your seed. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, you know, the aims of pi- like, like sure, I get why people like might say pirates because it's like, oh, what if it was pirates? But it's like, if you if you pull on that thread even a little bit, it's just like the whole thing falls apart. I mean, this is. This is the sweater uh, from from that Weezer song, like you right. Know, if you to want destroy to destroy my sweater, my sweater. Whoa, 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 pull this thread and walk and away, away and I walk away. So that's um, yeah. that's like what I that's how I see that pirates thing, and you know, for everything else, there's just like there's no evidence of it. Um, and you yeah. know, this is to me, this is like a missing four one one kind of a thing. For um, sure. Where it just you know, it it doesn't make a lot of sense, but at the same time it's like if anything, a disappearance in this case makes more sense than a lot of missing four one one cases because they probably went missing in the ocean, which it's like it's probably gonna be impossible to find them at that point. Yeah, they, uh, fortunately, yeah. And, you know, it sucks. I mean, I get why the family would be upset about the amount of search time, but it's like, you know, in some cases, you know, I tend to believe when, like, investigators look into something and they say there's, like, no evidence to suggest foul play. It's like there's no... Right. There really isn't a point in my mind to, like, continue to try to, like, find that. Um, if they've done a good job to begin with. And it's the same thing with the search and rescue efforts. It's like there's only so much they can do. I mean, they sent out like, uh, I don't even remember, like, was it nine? Something is a crazy amount of stuff. I mean, they, they yeah. you know, they brought the full gamut. Yeah. It's like you said, it's a massive body of water. It's just tough to. Uh, well, to figure I mean, it it's out. like, I mean, and think, this is just nine airplanes, yeah. two helicopters, the Coast Guard, and two commercial vessels. Yeah, went out, and I think, 
And they didn't find anything for three or four and at days. At the end of the day, it's it's three men, like three individuals that they're looking for. Right. Um, because they already found the boat. So the boat's out of the equation. They're looking for just three individuals in that water. And when you think about it, I mean, obviously they're, you know, closer to the coast. Uh, but like a topic that we might cover sometime, MH370, they didn't even find like an entire airplane full of people. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> right. whole, that thing disappeared right. completely. Um, so it's like, I mean, again, we, I mean, it's a discussion point, but um, like it makes sense to me that three men in the ocean would not be found. I'm just yeah. saying, I, I think my only thing is, like I said, the sequence of events laid out by the coroner where it's like one Tunstead tries to fiddle with the, the fishing wire falls over the fishing line falls in the other Tunstead brothers like, let me help you. And he goes, you know, watch guy eh? and pulls him into the water. <laughs> and then, you know, Derek Batten is Mo in this situation. And he, he's like, Hey, what are you dunderheads doing? And then the sail just comes around and whacks him in the face. Cause he's like right in the back of the head because he's turned the other way. And then he falls in the water. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's just something about it where it's like okay this is a lot of uh coincidence here yeah you know it's like who's to say they didn't like make a mistake or something like you know i don't really i don't really think that the shallows like them being stuck on a sandbar or whatever makes a lot of sense because like somebody right. said like it's like you said in the script it's like that would have put them near the shore and they weren't. They they would have right. been found they if they, they were stuck. On yeah, the they would have been seen. They would have been like able to get to the shore or something. Like they wouldn't have been just adrift in the sea. Fair enough, Andy. I mean, I think it sounds like you're maybe ready to get to verdicts here, buddy. <laughs> oh, am I ever? Uh, I pretty much worked out the whole verdict while talking to you. <laughs> yeah, you just gotta give it. If I was on the fence, which I was a little bit, I was like, I started off saying I didn't know what happened. And I still don't really know. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I don't know, know. No, I know what the outcome was, but. um, All right. So verdict. I guess what we're making a verdict on is how plausible. How plausible we think the. Uh, the. The. Uh, Pirates? Like something other than the coroner's explanation? Uh, I mean, I guess I would have said how plausible. Like, I guess what's your most. You want to you want to go like uh, like idea by idea? I don't think you have to go idea by idea. I think I'm just I'm just going to give the plausibility scale on the thing that I think is the most oh, true. Okay, gotcha. Um, well, <laughs> then I'm going to say. For I'm gonna I'm gonna the thing I think is the most um plausible, like overall, is the is the coroner's explanation. And I'm gonna give that it's gonna be a tricky one for me. Um but I'm gonna go plausible plus plus. Wow. And wow. the reason that I'm there is because again, I think they got to the right conclusion. But I don't know that I'm buying that whole like series of events that led to the situation. So I think I think it's like 
that makes me more plausible than not um, because I agree with the the ultimate outcome of it. Okay. So plausible plus plus. Okay. Plausible plus plus. Fair enough. And, and hey, can um, I just say that I like that that was the yeah. method that you picked because it let me be a little more positive. Usually I'm so negative when it comes oh. time to verdicts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You'd, you'd usually say something along the lines of, case closed, this is... Uh, case closed, they drowned. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I actually am going to go case confirmed Whoa. here, Andy. I think, ex- I, think, uh, I think what the coroner said is most likely what wow. happened. Um, I think that they, they built that series of events using the videotape footage using the forensics that they found the boat in and the investigation of the of the boat on the um 20th when they actually boarded the vessel and found everything in place um i think that that series of events makes sense and unfortunately yeah the i think these three guys yeah. drowned which is a a fate uh, i don't a fate worse than death, in my opinion, in, in yeah. some ways, or I don't know, a horrible way to a horrible way to go, in my yeah, opinion. I wouldn't want that uh, drowning. I just, it's just, ugh, I don't even want to think about it. Um, yeah, case case confirmed. I'm uh, I'm coroner's report on this wow. one all the way. This is a rarity for us. We don't have that many case confirms. Very rare. Very rare and uh, very rare for us to be so. Uh, I feel like uh, you would be where I'm at and I would be I know, where you I agree with you. It's like we did a switcheroo on this uh, verdict philosophy for this one. We're having having a little freaky Friday, yeah. I think. Huh? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm inside You're your body. a little bit of a Lindsay. I feel like I'm inside your body. <laughs> Andy, get out of there. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, you're a little bit of a Lindsay Lohan. I'm a little bit of a Jamie Lee yeah, Curtis. Huh? You are. Uh, you want to try some Activia yogurt? Yeah, I do. I need to have diarrhea. <laughs> Would you like to try cocaine? Because <laughs> I have some. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Oh, Lindsay Lohan. Oh, what happened? Um, God, Hollywood is another... Disgusting beast. Hey, hey, do you do you remember when? Uh, do you remember? I know we said we weren't going to talk about it, but do you remember in the Lord of the Rings? Uh, oh fuck, we owe so much money. When uh, when they thought all hope was lost, and then the riders of Lohan showed up and saved the day. The cavalry from Lohan. Yeah, they were all riding uh, Herbie the Love Bug. <laughs> oh my god, that movie would have individual that Herbie movie the Love Bug. Eight million times better if just an <laughs> army of Volkswagen <laughs> Beetles had crusted that hill. Piloted, piloted by thousands of ghostly Lindsay Lohans. <laughs> that, or wait, are those the riders of Rohan or are the riders of Rohan like an actual physical they army? They were the physical army. They were the, they oh, were, who they were the, the cavalry. Uh, the ghosts uh, were whatever. They swore their oath. To the king. Yeah, to, to the king of Gondor or Aragorn. whatever, and he made good on it. Gondorian. Yeah, Gondor, Gondoria. 
and uh, <laughs> they were the ones that uh, dismantled all the elephants. Oh, the riders of Rohan were the uh, cavalry. Yeah. Well, in our version of the Lord of the Rings, the Lord of Andy and Art, this is uh, they're Herbie the Love. Yeah, bugs. Herbie the Love Bugs. <laughs> well, <laughs> bug fuckers. So fucking silly. The whole movie's the same, except that one. the writers of Rohan are Herbie's the Love Bugs, and everyone's like, <laughs> they all turn like, oh god, what the fuck is this? What is this mechanical beasts? <laughs> What is this dark magic? <laughs> all the orcs just freak out and run away. Yeah. Yeah. And all... Sauron has betrayed us. He has replaced us with these abominations. Beep, beep. beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> Oh god, you know the hobbits would have some like little fucking quips about it too. <laughs> um, boy, I've never seen a bug like that. We don't have bugs like this in the Shire, do we? Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh god, I I fucking need to see that bunk fungers, please. <laughs> One of you out there has to anybody be like who's good at video who's, editing. Yeah, video editing, or I'll even take a fucking Photoshop at this point. Like, please, <laughs> I gotta see that. The writers of Lohan, <laughs> the drivers of Lohan. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, bunk Let us know what you think about the the drivers of Lohan, <laughs> and uh, let us know what you think about the Kaz too. What? Unfortunate tragedy befell those three men yeah. out there on the North Australian Sea. Um, let us know. Use the hashtag. Mm, hashtag daddies with a Z. <laughs> hashtag daddies with a Z. Uh, you know how they would say that in the UK. Daddies with a Z. Uh, daddies with a Z. That's right. Uh, but you could say daddy's with a Z or daddy's with a Z, whatever you like. Yeah, fuckers. it's your choice. It's the, neither one is incorrect. Um, let us know what you think. Email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at mrbunkerpod. Um, you can, um, find us on YouTube by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker or Mr. Bunker Pod. Or if you, um, have the means to do so. And you want to support the show, you can uh, find us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Mr. Bunker Pod. We got three different tiers of support that you can join. And, um, you know, there's you get extra episodes. There's a episode of our Patreon-only show called Andy and Art Debunked on there. A lot of great topics. We're doing some serial killer true crime shit on there. So uh, if you feel so inclined, you want to check that out. You would appreciate it. And, Truly. Um, well, Andrew, I don't know. I think it's time to dock dock this little this little enchilada boat. And um, <laughs> enchilada Moran, the, ench- the enchilada Moran, and uh, at uh, 
at the, the bunker dock and, uh, I don't know, head in. What do you say? Yeah, I think that's a good idea, Artie. It's time for us to, you know, rest a little bit, get ready for the voyage of our lives. <laughs> well, for not the, the titular Mr. Bunker, but for my parlous. Ooh, wait, parlous or peerless? Parlous. Parlous. (laughs) Co-host, Andy Hart, I'm Art Stone, saying that was the whole enchilada. (laughs) Yummy. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.